Well, hello everyone. Um, I'm going to come to you today to talk about, are you ready? <laughs> the election. This has been a year like no other. I know I'm not telling you anything new. You know, really, if you think about this, if you would have read this in a book, you go, that's got to be fiction. That can't be true. All those things couldn't have possibly have happened all in the same year. We're not even finished yet. But I want to talk to you seriously about the upcoming election. You know, I've been asked many times, so pastor, who are you voting for? What do you think about this candidate? Don't you think they're terrible? Don't you agree? You know, can I tell you, though, the serious part of all this is that we have brother against brother, neighbor against neighbor. We even got church against church right now for just for their stances on whether or not they should open or not. Many are saying that this is probably one of the most important elections in history, modern history. This election will determine, many people believe, the direction of this country for years to come. I never seen so many, so many candidate lawn, L-A-W-N, signage, okay? I walk them down my neighborhood. There's signs everywhere on people's lawns, but I'll tell you what. I've been taken back by is just all the negative verbiage that are on them. There just seems to be no respect or honor for a position and a stance that a candidate has. You know, culture, which you probably obviously have noticed, has gotten to a point that if you would disagree with me, well, we're enemies, right? Friends, this is, I had to stop and think, is this the way that Jesus wants us to act? Is this what he demonstrated throughout his life when he was here on the planet. Can I tell you only the church armed with the gospel is able to bring lasting change in the hearts and lives of people. I want you to hear this next statement. God's house, not the White House, holds the key to the future of our nation. If there's ever been a time for the church to stand tall Okay, it's today, it's today right now, whether it's with or without support of our political leaders, regardless, regardless of the leader, the church must remain faithful to our calling. You know, listen, whether we are enthusiastic about our political candidates or maybe you're, maybe you're just disappointed with our choices, we still cannot shirk our responsibility as good citizens. And can I tell you, in my opinion, we should vote for the person who best represents the convictions of the citizens of heaven. What are the convictions that God our Father and Jesus Christ revealed to us? How about character and integrity? Proverbs 29.2 says, When the righteous increase, the people rejoice. But when a wicked man rules, people just groan. Oh, this is awful. How about sanctity of human life? Psalms 139.13. For you formed my inner parts. You wove me in my mother's womb. What about those? How about racial equality? That's just, there's another one. Acts 17, it says, And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on the face of the earth. Whether our preferred candidate wins or loses, we all have as believers a God-given responsibility to pray for our leaders and support them in whatever way we can. 
You know, Paul addressing the Romans, okay, when Nero was on the throne, he wrote this. If you're following, it's in Romans 13.1. He said, every person is to be in subjection to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God. And those which exist are established by God. Yeah, you heard that right. Those who are in authority have been established by God. But you know, as you look around right now, the only thing I can come up with, there's just like a spirit of mayhem running rampant through this country. So what I want to do is I want to address a few points here as we enter into the last few days before the election. Here's point number one. And I think this, this, this is important. We all have, as believers, we have an allegiance. Philippians 3.20 says, For our citizenship is in heaven, from which also we eagerly wait for our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. But you know, actually, we have dual citizenship. All right? We are citizens of the kingdom of heaven, and we're citizens of the United States. We have a commitment to serve and to honor both. As citizens of the United States, well, we have an obligation, right? To protect our families, to vote for a candidate that protects our rights and our allegiance. But our citizenship in the United States, I want you to catch this, that's not our priority. Our allegiance, our priority is to our Father in heaven. It's our eternal home. Let me give you an example. I have a good friend, he's uh, from South Africa. He was born and raised there. He's a citizen. Well, he recently became a citizen of the United States of America. Well, his family down in South Africa, are, I mean, they got really upset with him. What do you mean you're a citizen of, of America? Your citizenship belongs down here. Well, now he has dual citizenship, but he says, my allegiance is to the United States of America. That's my home. Okay, this is my home. Yes, I still love South Africa and my friends and family, but I have allegiance to, where I, to what I call home. And you see, that's what we are. We have citizenship. We got dual citizenship, yeah, but ultimately our allegiance is to our Father in heaven, our eternal home. So remember what Jesus said in the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6.10? He says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So let me ask you a question. Are you choosing your candidates and their propositions? How, how are you choosing how to vote? Are you choosing by political party association? By maybe what your neighbor says or maybe a talking head on one of, the, one of your favorite news networks? Or are you choosing by what your creator has said? and has laid out before you. What our Lord Jesus taught us and guided us in. Has fear and anxiety got a hold of you? Okay, you ready for this? I'm gonna ask you, have you asked this question? What are we gonna do if the other candidate gets into office, right? Come on, you have, right? Have you asked yourself that question? You're probably, have you said things like, oh, if he does or she does, oh, we're done. <laughs> we're through, right? Don't miss this. No donkey, no elephant is ever going to save you. A lamb is going to save you, and a lamb is going to save me. 
Remember what Jesus said in John 3, 17. For God did not send the Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. No political party, friends, is going to save our souls. I hope you're hearing me here. No candidate is going to right all the wrongs, okay, that surround us today. It's just not going to happen. I love this statement from C.S. Lewis. He says, the Christians that did the most for the present world are the ones who thought of most of the next. The ones that were thinking of the world yet to come, they did more for this world that way. They were thinking of the principles and the morals and the guidance from our Lord Jesus Christ into this world. Let me give you a second thing to think about. As we come up in this election, we need to honor I mean, whatever happened to honoring the office? What ha- whatever happened? Look, at whether you like the elect or you don't, okay? There have been many comments and actions from our leaders. Believe me, I know. Look, at I know a lot of them are not honorable, all right? But what I'm trying to get across to you, but as a believer, we need to honor what is honorable. I'm not saying honor stuff that's not honorable, but as, as, as believers, we need to honor what's honorable. I mean, listen, what, look at what Paul wrote in Romans 13, 1. He goes, every person is to be in subjection to the governing authorities. For there is no authority, ready, except from God. And those which exist are established by God. Romans 13, 7. Render to all what is due them, tax to whom tax is due, custom to whom custom is due, fear to whom fear, and then... Honor to whom honor. First Peter 2.17 says, Honor all people. Love the brotherhood. Fear God and honor the king. That's honor the person in charge. You know, uh, this part you're probably not going to be crazy about, but the reality is we're supposed to love our, even our political enemies. I'm we're supposed to love our political enemies. Look at what Jesus says here. In Luke 6, verse 27, but I say to you, who hear? Jesus goes, are you hearing me? You didn't just shut me off out there, did you? Okay, Jesus goes, are you hearing me? Love your enemies. Do good to those that hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. Here's a don't miss this. And this is really important. And I want you to think about this. If we are as divided and toxic as the world, why would anyone want to come to church? Why would anyone want to hear about what we have to say about Jesus Christ and the God that we serve? Why would they? If we're just like everyone else and just as toxic as they are. It's important for you to hang on to that God is in control. Honor what is honorable. And thirdly, as we walk through what through, through the election and the balance of this year, you know, we need, we need courage. Philippians 3.17 says, Brethren, join and follow in my example and observe those who walk according to the pattern you have in us. You hear, hear what he's saying? He goes, join us by our example. Observe. By voting, friends, we assume some responsibility for the decisions that our elect candidate makes, whether, whether they're good or they're bad. We must vote. Can I encourage you? You, Actually, you must not vote without careful thought and attention 
to the issues. We should never vote blindly, okay, or out of a sense of party loyalty. We shouldn't be doing I feel you shouldn't be doing that. All too often today, selfish policy rules are in place where principles aren't. Can I t- say this to you? All you're wearing, if anybody wearing, any anxiety, fear, it's not going to change anything. It's not going to change anything. Look what, I, look what God said here. Isaiah 46. If you're following, turn to verse 9. This is God. Remember the things I've done in the past? God's saying this to us right now as we're looking at the, the, the climate of this culture right now, okay? And the, the craziness and the, the chaos that seems to be upon God. He says, remember the things I've done in the past? For I alone am God. I am God, he says. And there's none like me. Only I can tell you the future before it even happens. Everything I plan will come to pass, for I do whatever I wish. And I love this statement from Isaiah, Isaiah 40, 28. He says, you know, when I understand to fear God, I can live fearlessly. You need to, you know, you should, I mean, if you're not writing these down or taking some of the others, you need to write a few of these down. Isaiah 40, 28, when I understand to fear God, I can live fearlessly. Well, look what Paul says here in Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. Therefore, you have been raised up with Christ. Keep seeking the things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind, your, all your thoughts, your penances, on above not on the things of the earth. You know, I've I've got another verse here that I want to have read. I'm going to have Hunter and Savannah Yarnell. Okay, many of you know them, but uh, I I asked them, would they go ahead and read this verse for us today? It's going to be Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 6. So uh, Hunter and Savannah, you go ahead and take it away here. Good morning, Church of the Red Door family. It's Hunter and Savannah Yarnell, and we are coming to you from our backyard in Palm Springs, California. We are so excited to be able to share today's Bible verse with you. Although we sure do miss seeing you all in person and we cannot wait until we can see you all again. We have loved connecting with you on Sundays and via Zoom Bible studies and all that kind of good stuff. So we're also very grateful for the cooler weather that is coming to the desert. Today's Bible verse is gonna be Deuteronomy 31.6 which says, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or tremble at them. For the Lord, your God, is the one who goes with you. He will not fail you or forsake you. I hope you guys have been doing well in this hard time right now with quarantine and all. And I hope you guys are all happy and healthy. And we look forward to seeing you again soon. Back to you, Pastor Paul. Well, thank you guys so much, Hunter and Savannah, for doing that. And powerful verse, right, everyone? Be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid or tremble, for the Lord your God is the one who goes with you. He'll never fail you or forsake you. Powerful, right? So there's the point about the courage. I got a bunch of don't miss this today, but here's another don't miss this. Vote with biblical conviction. I don't know how else more to say this. I'm not telling you who to vote for, candidates or political parties or propositions. All I'm telling you is I would encourage you vote with biblical conviction. Stand firm in love. 
I love us. So you must have a firm center and soft edges. In other words, you got to stand strong in your conviction, but you got to be soft on the edges for those that don't think and act the same way you do. Otherwise, how can you relate to them? How can you love on them? How can you help guide, direct? You, you can't otherwise. You've got to have a firm center with soft edges. And fourth, this one is really important. We need to be unified. We will have Christian brothers and sisters on opposite sides voting for opposing candidates without question. This should not lessen our confidence in one another or our love for those who differ from us. Boy, I'm hoping, you're, hoping you heard that. It should not lessen our confidence in one another or our love for those who differ with us. We must permit, must not permit, no personal resentment or prejudice or embitterment against any of the believers in Christ. You know, I, know, I, I think that's so important, I'm going to say it again. I'm going to read this. We must permit no personal resentment or prejudice to embitter us against any of the believers in Christ. We must not. Here, I mean, look at what Jesus talking to his father says this in John 17, verse 22. The glory which you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, just as we are one. I in them, you in me, that they may be perfected in unity, so that the world may know that you sent me and love them, even as you have loved me. We need to be unified together in the body of Christ. You know, the, uh, Mark Sayers had this statement, and it's going to be up on your screen. He said, those who flourish in the chaotic soil of the 21st century are those who will be oriented by staying close to the Father, and the horizon points for us are the Word and the Spirit. Do you get that? Those who stay close to God, those who stay close to His Word, those who stay close to the church and their Bible studies and all those things, the horizon will point them to God's Word and the Holy Spirit to help guide, direct, and help them to flourish even in a chaotic world. That's something to hang on to. Friends, you know, it, in a sense, in a sense, we're at war, okay? But not against people but against false statements and arguments and strongholds. We need to take on arguments. We need to be the light of Christ to a world who's just fearful and they're losing hope. We really need to be that. This is the most perfect time for this election. I love what Paul says here in 2 Corinthians 10. He says, for though we walk in the flesh, we're not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. Look at, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and finish it, but, he, but what he's trying to say is, let's look at, it isn't the people you're against, it's about the, the strongholds that got a hold of them, that have them looking at directions that are different from the way that God would have us walk. He goes, what we need to do is destroy arguments. In other words, take them apart, you know, explain them to people, and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. I mean, why do you think Jesus told us to go out into the world teaching and baptizing. Why do you think he did that? Remember in Mark 28, verses 18 to 20? It said, Jesus came and he said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, 
I'm with you always to the end of the age. Why do you think he said that? You want to know why? Okay, I'll give you a few reasons. Because Jesus is the answer. Okay, Jesus is the answer to the rioting and destruction in so many of our cities. Jesus is the answer to the, all those hate groups that are out there. Jesus is the answer to all this political unrest that's in our country. Jesus is the answer to our country's racial issues and tensions. And he's also the answer to our COVID-19 crisis. It's so important. And this is another don't miss this. We need to come together now and make a declaration of dependence, not a declaration of independence. Now, look, at. let me say that again. We need to come together now and make a declaration of dependence on God, not on ourselves, not a declaration of independence. We need to depend on God to make the change, to turn this country around, to turn this world around. Can I encourage you? Make a declaration of dependence on Him. Turn your life over to Him. Be humi in, in, in humility before Him. It's not a declaration of independence, friends. And this is so important, I don't want you to forget this. It's one of my favorite verses in the Bible, and it's from 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. Talking about you, those of you that call on the name of Jesus Christ as your Savior. You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. You're his own special people. Think about that. That you may now proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Who once were not a people, but are now the people of God. Who had not obtained mercy, but now you have obtained mercy because of his grace. Do you know what we need? I was sitting here thinking, what does this country need? Actually, what do, what do we as believers need? I'll tell you what we need. We need a God sighting. A God sighting. Okay? I, I was reading through Exodus. And actually, you have your Bibles. You can turn to Exodus 33. And it begins in verse 18. It said that Moses had one more request of God. Please, he says, let me see your glorious presence. And God replied to him, I will make all my goodness pass before you. Stand here on this rock, and as my glorious presence passes by, I am going to put you in the cleft of the rock, cover you with my hand until I pass. Then I'm going to remove my hand, and you'll see me from behind. But my face will not be seen. You see, to see God's back means we can only see where God has already passed by. We can only know him by what he does and how he acts. We cannot comprehend God, really, really can't comprehend him apart from Jesus Christ, because Jesus said, when you see me, you've seen the Father, right? You see, when Moses came back from his encounter with God, did you know that he literally glowed? Yeah, you got to get one of those Bibles, man. I'm telling you, there's some good stuff in there. He literally glowed. Exodus 34. Verse 29, when Moses came down the mountain, it said, carrying the stone tablets inscribed with the terms of the covenant, he wasn't aware that his face glowed. And when Aaron and the people of Israel saw the radiance of Moses' face, they were afraid to even come near him. You see, when Moses had his encounter with God, did you know he was tired and despondent with the people that he had been called to lead? So when he returned, all of a sudden they see his face and he's all glowing. They didn't see anger anymore. They didn't see worry in his face. All they saw was God's glory in his face. 
And, you, and maybe some of you are thinking, well, what did Moses have to worry about or be angry? <laughs> I'll tell you, he had a lot. What do you think it's like to wander around in the desert with a million people for 40 years? Can I tell you? It's got some huge challenges. It has some huge challenges. But after his encounter with God's glory, his face just shone. Shouldn't Moses' request be ours? Don't we need a God sighting right now? Hey, we got problems, people. I mean, just look at ourselves. We're living in a dying body. We're walking around on a decaying planet. We're surrounded by self-centered society. There's cancer, war, terrorism, disease. These are not small issues. You and I need what Moses needed. We need a glimpse of God's glory. Such a sighting, I can tell you, will change you forever. Every act of heaven reveals God's glory. Everything. Every act of Jesus did, did the same. That's why in Hebrews 1.3 it says the sun, S-O-N, radiates God's own glory. And maybe you're asking yourself, you know, glory to God. Why does God have to be glorified? Well, let me give you an example. For the same reason that a pilot of a Coast Guard rescue boat does. I know you're thinking, what did you just say, Pastor? Did you say a Coast Guard rescue boat pilot? I did. I want you to follow me here. Just follow me. Imagine this now in your mind's eye. You find yourself at night and you're in a cold ocean. That ship that you were on, it's sinking. Your life jacket, it won't inflate. You know, you're trying blowing in the little deal, pull the cord. It's not working. You're treading water. You're starting to lose strength. And then all of a sudden, through the darkness, comes the voice of the Coast Guard rescue boat pilot. You can't see him. What do you want him to do? Do you want him just to be quiet and drift on by and say nothing? Of course not, right? You want him to shout. You want him to shout, I'm over here. Is anybody out there? Does anybody need any help, right? You know, I can help you. I can save you, right? I need you. You know, you want to say, shine your light on me. I need to see your light. You need him to shine the light on you to find you. Don't we want God to do that for us? Just look around. People are thrashing around. People are drowning in an ocean of guilt and despair and anger and financial issues and marriage difficulties. Can I tell you, some of them are sinking fast. Only God can rescue us. We need to see His glory. Let me say it again, only God can rescue us. We need to see His glory, friends, in this country right now. Make no mistake about this. God doesn't have an ego problem, all right? He doesn't reveal His glory for His own good. He reveals His glory for your good and my good. We need a strong hand to pull us inside a rescue boat. Don't we at time we need a hand to reach in and pull us? And once we're back in that boat, when we're in there and struggling, and once we're back into the safety of that rescue boat, what would we do if all of a sudden you're out in that float and you find yourself straddling and you're thrashing around right now in life and God reaches in and He pulls you and He pulls you out and puts you in the boat? Wouldn't you celebrate them, right? Wouldn't you celebrate them, right? Wouldn't you share it with other people? 
Wouldn't you say to him, hey, listen, he can pull you out of what you're in right now. He can pull you out of your anxiety. He can pull you out of your fear. He can save you. That's what we need, friends. Do you realize here's another don't miss this. The breath you just took was given to you for one reason, and it's for only one reason only, so that you might for another moment reflect the Lord's glory. That's it, for you to be able to reflect the Lord's glory to your neighbors, your family, your friends, those who are struggling with the whole election, the chaos craziness of this world. So you could go ahead and reflect that glory. You could tell him about that rescue boat pilot. God woke you up this morning, not just to hear my message, but for one purpose. And it's found in 1 Corinthians 16, 24. Tell of his glory among the nations, his wonderful deeds among all the peoples. So we as a family, members of God's family, we need to reach out to our friends, to our coworkers, to our neighbors. We need to be that pilot on that Coast Guard boat. Do you get it? I mean, do you see this? We need to let them know that we serve an everlasting God who never becomes weary, who never gets tired, that he'll strengthen them. Don't worry about what's going on around you. God's in charge of this stuff. Look at as election day closes in and the possible chaos that may follow that, Okay, can I encourage you, immerse yourself into God's word. Immerse yourself, and I'm going to read this, this is wonderful. Immerse yourself into Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 18. I hope you're writing this down. Immerse yourself into this. Finally, it says, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. So therefore, take up the whole armor, it says. Then you'll be able to withstand in the evil day. I don't know, there's a lot of evil going on in the world right now. You're going to be able to stand. And after you're done, you'll be able to stand firm. Because stand firm, after fasten the belt of truth. God's word. You can stand, put it around you. It's the word of truth. Knowing you have the breastplate of righteousness, that God sees you as clean and perfect. Put that on. Have the shoes of readiness, the gospel of peace. In other words, take, take the message to those in your neighborhood. And in all circumstances, take up the, he said, the shield of faith so you can extinguish the flaming darts of the devil. For those of you that say, you're nuts following that belief system. You're not doing that. And you go, no, 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 no. You can stand there and take that. Have the helmet of salvation and know that you're secure. Your heavenly home is secure. Your citizenship in heaven. And then you've got the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Pray at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication. To that end, it said, keep alert. And with all perseverance, make supplication for all the saints. And I would say, while you're doing this, pray for all your fellow believers. This country, friends, this world, it desperately needs a God sighting. You know how they're going to see it? Yeah, through you and through me, through your actions, through my actions. That's how they're going to see it. How you're reacting to all the situations going on around us. Are you acting God-like or worldly-like? Will they see us showing our allegiance, our allegiance to the one true God?
Remember, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Will they see us showing honor? Will they? Will they see you or me showing honor to what is honorable? Like Jesus said in Luke 6, but I say to you here, love your enemies. Do good to those that hate you. Bless those that curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. Are you? Will they see your courage? Will they see your courage voting with biblical conviction where you're not afraid to say, no, I stand for this? Will will you stand firm in love? Will you have that firm center and those soft edges to be able to reach out? Will they see us unified, our neighbors and families, know that we represent our Father in heaven who has sent us, who has sent us to love them? And finally, or will we be divided after uh, Tuesday the 3rd? Are we going to be divided and toxic as the world? Driving people away from the church instead of drawing them. You know, as I prepare to close, after the election's over, we can still guarantee, I can guarantee you some results right now ahead of time. And here they are. God will still be on the throne after Tuesday, the third. Jesus will still be the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. The Bible will still have all the answers to all our problems. The tomb, it's still empty. Jesus will still be the only way to heaven. Prayer will still work. It will still make a difference and God will still answer our prayers. The cross, I hope you're hearing me, not the government, will still be our salvation. There will still be room at the cross. Jesus will still save anyone who places their faith and their trust in him. And God will still be with us always because he will never leave us and he will never forsake us. So with this final closing scripture, I want to leave with you and then our prayer. It's from Isaiah 40 beginning in verse 28. Do you not know? Sometimes we need to be reminded, people. Do you not know? Haven't you heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, do you know he does not become weary or tired? His understanding is inscrutable. He gives strength to the weary. And to him who lacks might, he increases power. Though youths grow weary and tired and vigorous young men stumble badly, yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and they will not get tired. They will walk and not become weary. So in closing prayer, Father, our prayer come to you today, Father, Number one, please, Lord, we come to you and ask you, please do not lift your hand off of this country. Father, thank you for this tremendous gift that you have given us, this United States of America. Father, as even though we have some rumblings even within ourselves, Father, help us to unite under you, under the name of Jesus Christ. Help us to unite 
as we march forward between now and through the end of the year and whatever the next four years will bring. Help us, Lord, to remember and, and, and to hang on to that our allegiance, our citizenship ultimately is with you in heaven because we are children of, we are your children, children of the Most High God. So, Father, be with everyone who is within earshot today. Father, give them courage, strength, and most of all, right now, bring peace upon all whose hearts are leery and worried about what the next days will be bringing. Father, help them to hang on to that you are still on the throne and that you are still in charge and that you will never forsake us. And all of God's people said, yeah, that's right. Amen. God bless you.